Today, I'm very excited to be talking with Amber Renee. She's Australia's leading voice in e-learning, educates tens of thousands of students in all corners of the globe on a range of topics from entrepreneurship, digital marketing, influencer marketing, and the power of personal branding. She's the star of the hit US reality show, Dream Life, which documents the creation of her latest e-learning project and is the author of Dream Life, the book, The Boss Babe's Guide to Turning Your Online Business Dream into Reality. This episode is full of absolute gold nuggets. Let's dive in. Welcome to the Made For More podcast. I'll be sharing my experiences along with some actionable advice to take your leadership to the next level. Introducing your host, it's me, Ali Nitschke. I'm a leadership and courageous conversations expert, a Nutella lover, a mother of four young boys, a wife and a dance floor junkie. I'm here to give you the motivation you need to level up, lead yourself, lead your team and your business. Let's go. Hello and welcome again to the Made For More podcast. I've got a super exciting guest with me today. I've got Amber Renee. So welcome, Amber. Thank you so much for your time today. Before we get too far into it, let's start with where did you come from and where are you going? Thanks so much for having me, Ali. I'm excited to connect with your audience here. I really appreciate it. So my background is probably where most of your audience is. I started in pretty heavy corporate background. I was a civil engineer. Well, I still am a civil engineer. I started out my career working on a construction site, building roads and bridges. So this saw me in hot pink steel cap boots. My nickname was Pinky and I worked for one of the biggest construction companies here in Australia on one of the biggest developments in Queensland. So there's a road in Queensland with my name on it. I put my name in the concrete pavement when I built it. And I built a, a rock, some rock retaining walls and a couple of other really fun projects. So it was great fun working, you know, playing in the dirt with the boys. But I'm guessing like a lot of your audience, I, I knew it wasn't my passion. So I knew that, you know, I was really good at it. I was very good at math. So I was really good at science. You know, it was easy for me to study engineering and I didn't mind the job, but it wasn't you know, it wasn't my passion. It wasn't what lit me up. And also I knew that it wasn't my succession. I didn't want to become a 50 year old engineer because I looked at those, those people that were in those uh, positions and they weren't me. You know, I was never going to be an overweight, angry old man. That was just nothing, nothing about me was ever going to be that person. So I was like, well, you know, it's not going to work out for me here. I need to go and follow my dreams. So that I, I quit. I quit that job. That's the first job I quit. I've been fired from every job since then, but I did quit that one. Um, <laughs> that job. I started by uh, following that. I started my very first fashion label. So um, that label started with me on a sewing machine. I made four shirts the first week and sold four shirts and sold eight. Made eight shirts and sold eight shirts the next week. And then five years later, we had 120 accounts around Australia. We exported to Paris, Tokyo, LA, and South Africa. I did runway shows all around the world. And we dressed some of the biggest celebrities of the day, which back in the day was Paris Hilton. And it used to be cool to dress Paris, although I feel like she's making a comeback at this point. And wow. this was all before the internet. So for anyone who's oh, thinking wow. that they were running, you know, having a hard time getting their name out there these days, running a business or, you know, in the corporate for me to make sales back then, I used to have to pick up the yellow pages. You would remember that, Ali. Do you remember the yellow pages? Yeah. And, and pick up my landline and then I would cold call boutiques and ask boutiques if I could post them out of catalogue. So that's oh, how wow. I used to do business. And so to get that kind of success and to dress Paris Hilton before all of that happened was kind of a big deal. Yeah. 
that was my very first business. And that business was all that I'd ever dreamed of doing ever since I was a kid. That was my absolute passion in life. When I got into it, it wasn't, it, it wasn't as fulfilling as you would imagine because you're only designing for two weeks of the year and for the other 50 weeks of the year, you're manufacturing. So manufacturing isn't really sexy, you know, it's not a fun yeah. job. So, you know, I was never, I, I love that business and I was never willing to give it up. However, the universe had other plans for me. So we had just prepaid everything for our latest collection, the next uh, run that we were doing. And we bought all the fabrics and the patterns and prepaid the manufacturer. That manufacturer went out of business, which caused no. me to go out of business. Oh, no. And then found myself at, uh, how old was I? Early 20s, I was bankrupt I had found out that I'd worked myself to death. So I had uh, cancer. I was hospitalized. Oh, my, God. oh my goodness. Breakdown. I had stomach ulcers and I was on anti-anxiety and antidepressant tablets. Holy smokes. Yeah. This was when I was, uh, yeah, I think I was about mid, about 25 at this point. So yeah. that was my first foray into entrepreneurship. And I swore then and there that I would never, ever, ever be an entrepreneur again. I was going to go back to a day job. So I did. I got myself a cushy little day job in the city and I got to put my suit on every day and I showed up every day and I got a paycheck every single week, which was yep. wild to me at this point. And that lasted about a year. And then I got fired because I was really, I'm a terrible employee and didn't want to be there. I started my second business, which was a fashion styling business that started with me waking up one day, changing my email signature from designer to stylist mm-hmm. and the rest out from there. So I had no network, no contacts, no clue, and just kind of, you know, hustled, which is not a word that I like to use, but I did just kind of hustle my way into figuring it out. So three years after starting that business, I had two of the best contracts in the country. I was the fashion editor at Women's Health and Fitness Magazine and the resident stylist at Southern Cross Osteria, which at the time was our biggest radio and TV network. So again, I say that, that, oh, and I just, I had just done Project Runway. So I'm sure there are some Mums of yours in your audience that are Project Runway fans, I just uh, was a designer on there. Wow. Following that, I got a TV presenter's role as the fashion reporter for fashion TV, which was my dream gig. So I thought that I was living my best hashtag fashion life. (laughs) And, you know, you couldn't get anything more glamorous than interviewing celebrities and going to VIP parties and dressing, you know, stars for the Khan red carpet. So I literally thought it was a dream. And again, the universe had other plans for me. So again, the universe came along and lovingly pushed me out of all of those contracts. The effects of the global financial crisis finally hit Australia and all monies for things like TV presenters and stylists had dried up. So I found myself again, unemployed and unemployable. So I tried to get a job I could not get any work. There were no, not a lot of fashion jobs in the country as it is, but no one was employing anyone in fashion at that point. I tried to go back to my engineering job. They wouldn't even give me a job. I tried to get back on a construction site, could not get work to save myself. All that I had left was this knowledge. And this might be relevant to the current situation that a lot of people are finding themselves in. Yeah. You're finding that you have worked this whole career and you've got this whole knowledge and wisdom and, or even just life experiences, you know, of, of this past five, 10, 20 years, whatever it is. And you're finding that with the current global crisis, you are being pushed out of your current situation. I want to let you know what that looked like for me, because that's what mm. happened to me. I was pushed out of that. All that I had left was a really solid understanding of how to build a fashion styling business. I was very good at it. So what I did was I sat down one day, I got out my iPhone and I recorded an e-course on how oh, to be- just on your iPhone. How good's that? 
without knowing anything. This was in 2015. E-courses weren't a thing back then. It was yes. just like, you know, my brother said you should do it. I was like, cool, I'll do it. And I just started basically giving it away for nine bucks, you know, like it wasn't, I, I didn't know that this was a business. I certainly didn't have any clue how to turn it into a business. It was just something that I was passionate about. And I just started doing because I, I didn't have a job. I had nothing else left. So I just started teaching what I knew. So, and then that business now, we're now I'm in my fourth year. I now have four six figure e-courses. So that wow. fashion styling e-course is still makes money every single day. The I've since gone on to create a personal branding and publicity e-course, which teaches you how to be the face of your brand, how to get publicity, how to become a thought leader in your, in your field, which I know a lot of your people would be interested in, in being that person in their industry. Yeah. Um, I also have a mindset course, which I'm super passionate about having been through some pretty difficult situations in business. And I've also got a, my most recent course, which is a how to build an e-course business course. So it teaches you e-courses and funnels and, and how to live this sort of freedom-based lifestyle. So if anyone's out there that's thinking, you know, I don't know what to do next, the crisis has caused me to question what, you know, what my next step is, just think back to this story because I would never have chosen any of these businesses that I started. If, if I had my own way, I would still be in running a fashion label today and I'd be hating life. I would mm -hmm. hate it. It's not something that I would be still passionate about. This is the first business where I feel like I'm fully lit up. I'm really using my engineering brain because it's a really hard business, this one, yeah. as much as my creativity. And it's the first time that I really feel like I'm on purpose and living in service and I would never have chosen it. There is yeah. you know, no part of me was sitting around going, gee, I wish I could be a digital nomad and work on my laptop. No, I was never thinking that, but the universe had greater plans for me. So just keep that in mind if the universe is pushing you out of something right now. And I think that's a beautiful lesson as well is we sort of get caught up in this trajectory, you know, whether it's a career tra trajectory or life trajectory and it takes a real shake up, which is what we're experiencing right now. And I hate to use the word pivot, but I will to, you know, we're using this time now to redirect and start focusing what it, on what it is. And it's usually not until we're back against the wall that we start to go, okay, right. Those options are no longer viable. What do I have available to me and what resources do I have? And I love that you mentioned earlier about, you know, what I've got is this knowledge. And with a lot of the leaders that I speak to is they get into this new, perhaps new industry, new workplace, new organization, and they forget about all of the years of experience that they've learned beforehand because it's not exactly relevant for where they are right now. So really being able to recognize where your past learnings are to be able to take you into your future is incredible. What I'd love to talk to you about a little bit more is around this personal branding. So personal branding, of course, for entrepreneurs is super important in this day and age with social media. But what about for leaders and our corporate, our corporate audience? What do they need to be thinking about in terms of their own leadership personal branding? So I have a, uh, one of the courses that I a partnership with my good friend, Inika, she teaches a career development course. And I've, we've got an, a, a part of that course is a personal branding aspect. And she's got some really alarming statistics around women in leadership in the current market. And so there's some stats that say you're much more likely to have a CEO named John than you are to have a female CEO. And yep. she tells so many stories around how women will apply will only apply for a job if they have 99% of the skill set whereas a man will apply for a job if they've got 70% of the skill set yeah. so we see so many disparities with men and women in the work 
workplace as it is. And I think the importance with personal branding is not only does it help you feel more confident and you feel more like you're able and willing to step into a leadership role, but it also positions you from the external as someone who is in a leadership position. So we all know, you know, if you think back to that that person that you met at that networking event that was so well put together and they were, you know, on purpose and they were presenting powerfully and they were communicating effectively, that person you immediately elevate above all the other people that you met at that networking event. And Mm -hmm. I know a lot of us think, oh, well, that person's just got that thing. You know, they, they, they were taught how to dress as children or they were, they know how to communicate or they, you know, they, they, they know what their vision is. Well, a lot of this stuff is just a matter of sitting down and working on it. Like it's, it's all trainable, it's all teachable, but it's a, it's often the last thing that we think about. You know, this is a softer sort of skill. Mm-hmm. We all think, well, I need to go and learn how to sell or how to, you know, do strategy or whatever it is. But we often forget that as, uh, as a personal brand, we're the most important part. So we really need to work on focusing on developing ourselves as well. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's really important. Um, you know, what kind of leader is it that you want to be and how are you showing up and how are you actually behaving in a way that aligns with those, those types of visions? So in terms of mindset, you mentioned you've got a mindset course as well. Tell me more about that. Tell me more about your philosophy on mindset. So I fully believe that mindset is 80% of your success. So if you're, you know, and we all spend 80% of our time on the action and we spend 20% of our time on the mindset. But I know myself personally, when I really focus on my mindset and making sure that I'm working on putting out the best version of me, then that's when I get the best results reflected back. So when you're looking at leadership, you know, stepping into a leadership role is a often for women. What I find is that women have a lot of limiting beliefs and a lot of fears around being seen, fear of being heard. Imposter syndrome is a huge one for women. So that's where you have the internal critic in your head telling you, oh my God, everyone's going to find out that you're a fraud. So, you know, you better not step into that leadership role because they're all going to find out that you don't have that, you know, that degree or that whatever it is that we've told ourselves that we're limiting in. And so, you know, understanding your mindset really is critical to to stepping into a leadership position. And so, yeah, so what I see with women predominantly in, in um, corporate is imposter syndrome. The other one that's really big is perfectionism. So perfectionism is where we, you know, it, it, we think that we're striving to be our best, but actually it's a really shame-based activity. So Dr. Brene Brown, who's one of my idols, I worship Brene Brown. We so fangirl her too here. Yeah. Oh my God, I'm such, I'm the biggest fan. So she describes perfectionism as self-destructive and addictive belief system. And it fuels the primary thought that if I look perfect and do everything perfectly, I can avoid or minimize the feelings of blame, judgment, and shame. So this is a huge one in the corporate world. And I know I used to be a proud perfectionist. Like I used to walk around going, yes, well, I'm a perfectionist. You know, when they ask you in interviews and say, what's your, what's the worst trait about you? And I say, oh, well, I'm a perfectionist. And it's like, well, that is actually a shame-based. That shame-based. is actually your worst trait. Yeah, yeah that's right. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So yep. working on those sort of things is just so important if you're trying to step into a leadership role. And also when you're trying to communicate to your team around you, you know, and being aware of the different personalities that you have to deal with in every, in every leadership position. Yeah. And I can imagine if we just backtrack a little bit, starting out as a woman in civil engineering, there would have been around, I mean, you tell me, was there some limiting beliefs that you had around that industry or was it difficult to, I guess, bond with other other civil engineers within your team way back then? Absolutely. I was the only girl. I mean, I was certainly the only 
woman under say 30, like my mentor that I work, you know, so I graduated yeah. at 21 and was working at 21 on construction site. And yeah, the next woman would have been a, a, the next female engineer would have been 30 years old, which when you're 21 does seem like, you know, ancient. Quite, yeah. Quite a, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Way yeah. over the hill. Um, <laughs> so, and, and I was, you know, I would have been five to 10 years younger than all of the men in my team for sure. Yeah. So it was, yeah, it, it, I mean, I guess I was, I was just such a ballsy little character back then. You know, I was ready to paint the walls red and do whatever I needed to do to get the job done. You know, I was that kind of person, wasn't quite so sensitive to, to all of this sort of thing. But it was, uh, you know, there was a lot of harassment and a lot of extremely, you know, what would seem the, you know, you'd be fired if you, used to, if you said any of the things that you used to get said to me back in those days. Yeah, time has certainly changed, that's for sure. So when you went from in the corporate world, working in civil engineering, and then shifting into having your own fashion fashion label. How did you go with the adjustment? So I talk a lot around communication, and I can imagine, I can only imagine, that communicating with civil engineers is going to be very different to communicating with people that are deciding what Paris Hilton is going to be wearing. Communication was huge. And I, I communication, again, is something that I'm not naturally gifted at. I'm a numbers person. So, you know, I'm, I'm, and I'm a super introvert. So I don't really like talking to people. I like to be by myself. I like to be crunching numbers. So for me, communication was something that is a skill that I had to learn. And it, it was something that I've, I've developed and I've practiced and I've rehearsed and I've put time and energy and effort into, into learning. So for anyone who's listening and going, yeah, well, I'm not, you know, I'm not great at communication then learn it, you know, go and go and do some courses, read some blogs, listen to podcasts around it. But certainly, you know, that's one of the most important things that we see in the corporate world is learning styles. You know, some people are uh, auditory, some people are kinesthetic, some people are read, write, you know, visual. So if you're in a leadership position and you're trying to effectively communicate, well, you need to figure out who you're communicating to. So for instance, for me, if I, I'm, I'm very visual. So if you try and tell me, you know, if you're trying to tell me how to get to your house, if you ring up, ring me up on a phone and say, turn left here and turn right there and turn here, I'm, I've completely tuned out. But if you draw a map, cool, I can, I can follow that map super easily. And you're, the people that you're leading in your team all have different learning styles as well. So, you know, becoming really aware of each of their learning styles and communicating to them in that particular learning style. And as a leader, you're going to need to change, you're going to need to change your communication style which, with each team member. Yeah, absolutely. And that's certainly the role of the leader is around actually recognizing what those individual styles are. And that's your responsibility. So comms always comes from if you're the one that's delivering the message, then that's when the responsibility is as opposed to the receiving end. I love that so much. What I imagine you would have, you've, you mentioned you've got four online courses, but all four of them are, are six figure six-figure online courses, which of course means that there's probably quite a bit going on in the back end. Let's talk about productivity. You know, there's a lot of people doing it tough right now, trying to juggle work and homeschooling and goodness knows what else in this crazy world of work-life balance. Hit me with your productivity tips. Mm, I love talking about productivity. I, 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 I describe myself as a productivity ninja. I honestly believe I get more done in a week than most people would in a month. And that's not because I'm Certainly not because I'm working harder than everyone. I, I mean, I, I did do that for my first two businesses, but in this business, I've figured out a way to get into flow so that I'm not working, you know, I don't work evenings, I don't work weekends. I, I, these days I'm working about four hours a week, uh, sorry, four hours a day. 
But the, but at the end of the week, I also don't feel like I'm exhausted. And again, that's what I did wrong in my first two businesses. So I'm not out here saying I've always gotten it right. It took yeah. me a long time to figure out what works for me so that I can get to the end of the week and feel like I've been in flow for the week. So what I've done is developed sort of like a practice that I that I've just sort of, I just kind of figured it out because, you know, I would do things on a certain day and certain things would feel extremely draining on, on some days, but on another day, would they be super easy? So for instance, Ali, what you and I are doing today, I could not have this conversation with you on a Monday. On a Monday, I am extremely introverted. I do not want to speak to anyone. And I feel like just doing ticking boxes. You know, I want to do super admin stuff. I want to write to-do lists. I want to plan my calendar. I want to clear my inbox and I want to feel like I've ticked a hundred boxes. That feels like what I want to do on a Monday. If I want to do that today, I, like, I don't want to tick boxes today. I want to talk to people. I want to have conversations. I want to have meetings, all those kind of things. Yeah. So what I did to figure all of this out is I got a, just a piece of paper and I wrote Monday through Friday at the top. And each day I would map out what tasks I were doing, I was doing and what felt like I was in flow. So yeah. sometimes I would take a meeting on a Monday and that meeting on the Monday was just I was like, oh my God, I don't want to speak to you today. I want to speak to you, you know, on Friday. And so I soon realized that there was a flow to my week and it was pretty standard every single week on Mondays was admin. Tuesdays, I like to do data. So I like really getting heavy into analytics and crunching numbers and running ads. Wednesdays and Thursdays, I like creating. So I love building new courses, creating content, doing blogs and blogs and YouTube stuff. And on Fridays, I love doing this sort of thing, showing up live. I do all of my live streams on Friday. And I've just, I've literally just mapped that out myself by like analyzing where I'm feeling each day, what feels like I'm in flow throughout the week. Yeah. And choosing your own adventure a little bit there as well, you know, getting, throwing out any of those rule books around, you have to do this in the morning and you need to do this in the afternoon of every single day, you know, do what works, works for you and go with the flow. I love it. And obviously your people have a slightly more structured life, but yeah. you know, I, 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 I have done corporate a couple of times. What I, what I also, the other tip that I have for corporates is, and I know this isn't always easy because let's face it, you have to go to meetings, but I always just found meetings to be such a time waste. Like I remember one of the, one of the companies that I worked for, he used to schedule an 8am Monday meeting and a 4pm no. Friday meeting. No. He was just that kind of guy. And oh. then it was just a litany of meetings throughout the week. And I just swore to myself then and there that I would never do that to someone. And I would always be super conscious of, you know, if we've scheduled a one hour meeting that needs to be a 15 minute meeting, let's schedule a 15 minute meeting and let's get out the door. Let's not, you know, hang around and, and do all that sort of thing. And I realized you know, if you're in a position that isn't always, um, you know, available to you, but perhaps yeah. just, again, what you're saying there about breaking the rules, maybe have a look at what's flexible within yeah. your own environment. You know, does that need to be a, a one hour meeting? Can that be a 15 minute meeting or can it just be a, an email, you know, figuring out like, you know, saying no to people that are looking to take time away from your own, your, yeah. your own diary. Like I'm very protective of my diary. Very. Yeah. Um, and what's productive. And I think I, um, I might've seen a meme probably early on when everyone was adapting to zoom and it was something along the lines of, you know, nothing like a pandemic to make you realize how many meetings could have been an email, which is so true. We do spend a lot of time wasting a lot of time. Yeah. <laughs> so you have got a book out. Tell me about that. So Dream Life, the book is the boss babe's guide to turning your online business dream into a reality. So it's 
follows my dream D-R-E-A-M acronym. Yep. So D is define, which is all about mindset. So a lot of the stuff we talked about today, resilience versus failure, mindfulness versus over-identification. We develop self-judgment. We, uh, we develop self-compassion over judgment. So lots of great mindset stuff in there. R is rarify, which is where we find Ooh. your unique superpowers and make you more rare than a diamond. And this is your genius zone, personal branding, all that kind of good stuff. E is estate. So in the offline world, we get taught to go and buy an estate to create wealth. But in the online world, we build our own estate. So this is where we build our estate content. So our e-course or our e-book or any other online digital content that we, our asset. A is automation. I'm all about the funnels. I love that evergreen automated, you know, make money in your sleep life. So that's what we have in A and M is magnetized. So once we've built our foundations, then we go out and magnetize our traffic to us. So that's things like publicity, content marketing, all that kind of good stuff. So it's a great book for anyone that's even thinking about getting into it. The reason I was compelled to teach this, it's sort of a conglomeration of all of my courses, but I have a few students going, this whole online thing is so, you know, overwhelming. I wish someone would just write a handbook. I was like, well, yeah, I could do that. Here's a novel idea. And where can people find your, your book, your dream life book? If you go to amber.courses, there's a whole bunch of, you can find the book and then there's a whole bunch of one hour free corporate training, uh, corporate and entrepreneurial training programs. There's a corporate class on that on that link that we have the commissioner, one of the commissioners of Queensland talking about how he leads his team, the leadership skills that he's looking for when he's looking to promote people, as well as just a really interesting conversation about someone who's managed to get into one of the most senior government positions. So it's a really great, it's a really great masterclass. Your audience would love it. Very good. I'll add the links in to the show notes for that. So are there any other exciting, um, I mean, I know you've got quite a bit going on. You've got online courses, you've got your book coming out. What other exciting things have you got? in the works. Well, Ali, I don't know if you're a reality TV fan, but I'm sure some of your audience are. So I have a reality TV show that's airing in America at the moment. So that oh, cool. show is called Dream Life, hence the book. Yes. And Dream Life follows the lives of myself and my business partner as we create our new online learning academy called The Love Academy. And so the show basically is a reality, reality show documenting us, you know, trying to make it in LA and our, you know, cast and crew that are all sort of doing the same kind of thing. So it's a little bit of fun and uh, it's currently airing in America, but we've just found out it's airing on a streaming service in Australia very soon. So when that happens, oh. we'll have a big launch party and we can all watch it together, you know, goggle box style and like chat about what's happening on the show. So very good. So how far away is that from streaming in Australia? I assume it's top secret that you can't mention. September. Oh, really close. Okay, yes. very cool. So we're recording this in late August. So hopefully by the time we I hit publish on this, it'll be out and I'll be able to include Totally. Okay, so before we go too much further, I would love to hear from you your five top tips for up-and-coming leaders or even what you could tell our baby Amber way back then around what your five tips would be. I think tip number one would be develop self-awareness. So it's pretty hard to be a a thoughtful and impactful leader if you're not aware of how you're showing up in the corporate environment and even showing up, you know, in in the whole environment, whether you're having one-on-ones or whether you're leading a team. So developing self-awareness around what kind of leader you are or, and if you're 
if you're not the kind of leader you want to be, then figuring out how to become that sort of leader. And so the way that we teach this in the path to promotion is, you know, asking your team a series of questions around what kind of leader would you describe me as? Do you, you know, do you think that I'm whatever you're hoping to be? And if if they give you that feedback that yes, you are that type of leader, then great. But if they don't give you that feedback, then you've got a little bit of work to do. So that would be my first tip, develop self-awareness. Very good. And Um, number two. Number two, number two, I feel like in a leadership role, you need resilience. And this is in any position, like especially, you know, I lead a small company here and my whole, as I often say, entrepreneurship as in most business is just putting out fires. So you need to get really good at being resilient and being open to, again, sort of a mindfulness thing, assessing how you view your failures. You know, are you viewing them through a lens of this has gone bad, I'm going to have a meltdown, or are you viewing them through a lens of this didn't work, I'm going to pivot or I'm going to try something else or I'm going to, you know, lead over this way instead. So developing resilience, I feel like is, I actually think resilience is the number one skill or value that anyone needs to develop in this lifetime. Yeah, absolutely. And especially right now, for sure, resilience and the, the ability to bounce back. And number three? Number three, I would say figure out the learning styles, as we spoke about already, of both yourself and your team and make sure that you're communicating to your team in the way that they're able to hear you. Oh, good. I love that one. Uh, Number four? This one, I think, I feel like women are going to be better at this, but, you know, this is, let's say it's for the men, but figuring out how to be an effective listener. Mm. I think that most people do a lot of speaking, especially in leadership roles. They do a lot of speaking and not a lot of listening. So I would say if you are guilty of that, and my business partner (laughs) in the Path to Promotion is a speaker. She's not a great listener and she's very aware of that. She knows that she needs to listen more. So, you know, figuring out if you are that type of personality, typically it's extroverts are really good speakers and not great at at listening at listening and introverts typically are better listeners and not not great at speaking so if you are you know in order to be an effective leader you need to be able to listen to what your your people are actually telling you so develop that skill as well and uh, lucky last lucky last hmm I think you know what well this is this is what I teach everyone in in my audience and certainly something that it, it took me two full businesses to figure out. So the, the, the fashion business, I hadn't figured it out then. The styling business, it didn't exist. And yeah. in this business, the reason that I was so successful straight off the bat is because I implemented this strategy. So this strategy is find someone who's already done the things that you want to achieve, download all of their knowledge, wisdom, and insight into your brand, your business, you know, your career development plan and save yourself the blood, sweat, and tears. So yep. back when I was a fashion stylist, that didn't exist. You couldn't do a fashion styling course, you, you know, unless you wanted to go to uni for three years, you couldn't go and easily watch blogs and watch YouTube channels and listen to podcasts. You couldn't find a mentor easily. These days with the advent of online learning, that kind of thing is so abundant that you can, if you want to advance your career, go and find a career development coach or a course, or, you know, start reading books and blogs about it and just really upskill yourself rather than blood, sweat and teasing it, which is what I did for my first two businesses. Blood, sweat and teasing it. I love that. And I think that's so true. The information, we are in an information age and it is available. So if there is something that you are looking to upskill and you don't know where to find it, there's this little thing called Google, which is helping people 
around the globe find answers to their questions. I have absolutely loved this. Thank you so much for sharing all your time and wisdom and knowledge and energy here today, Amber. And if people wanted to find out and follow you around, where do you normally hang out online? I do a weekly chat show every week on Instagram called Wine Time. It happens at 4 p.m. on a Friday. Ladies, come and join me. We drink wine. We talk about all the things that we just spoke about today in more detail. And if you found me on Ali's podcast, please let me know that you found me on Ali's podcast. And if you want to connect on LinkedIn, come and connect. If you just search Amber and A, you can find me there as well. Beautiful. Well, thank you so much. It is actually Friday afternoon while we're recording this. So you'll be just about ready for wine time indeed. But thank you so much, Amber. I've really enjoyed our chat today. Thanks so much, Ali. Thank you so much for joining me today. If you enjoyed this episode on the Made For More podcast, please make sure you subscribe to receive future episodes. And of course, five-star reviews are always welcome on the Apple podcast. If you'd like a copy of the show notes or any of the links mentioned today, check out madeformore.com.au forward slash podcast. And of course, if we aren't connected already, you can find me in all the usual places. Ali Nitschke on LinkedIn, ali.madeformore on Facebook and Instagram. I hope you have an awesome week and I'll catch you again soon. Bye-bye.